Thanks, guys. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. I'm expecting to hear a lot of crunching as I'm preaching. You know, that cinema sound of popcorn. So like Dan said, I've stepped in to do this one. This is my first movie Sunday as well. I've never done this before, so pray for me. But it's going to be good. So what we will do, the running order is, there are four clips from the film Eddie the Eagle. And we will show the clips, and then I will unpack it from a biblical point of view and put some points over there to you of how we can see God through this movie. So for those that don't know, Eddie Edwards was a young boy with a big dream he wanted to go to the Olympics and we're going to see on screen how his story unfolds of getting there from the dream to the reality so we're going to start with clip one and then I'll unpack some bits for you so clip one please team the first thing that strikes me about that movie is the wallpaper we had that growing up late 70s 80s I remember that wallpaper well I didn't wear those outfits though trust me but it's a brilliant opener of the film, isn't it? There we can see this young lad, Eddie. He's got a dream of going to the Olympic Games. He is determined. He's like, I'm going to get there. He's seen what the athletes do, and he's like, I'm going to prepare myself, and I'm going to go to the Olympics. But he had to overcome limitations. And there were limitations that he had to overcome in order to get to the place where his dreams would take him. And the first one was the physical limitations. He got bad knees. He got a brace on his knee. He had to overcome the ability for his knees to be strong to go where he was going to go to but more than that he had to overcome the limitations that his dad had put on him the power of his dad's words we can see the dad rolling his eyes there Eddie you are not an Olympian you will never go to the Olympics those words carry power his words you can't do it you can't be that they carry power when people in authority in our lives, parents, teachers, bosses, husbands, wives, friends, say things over us. It can cause our lives to be limited because of the power of words. It tells us in Proverbs 18 verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. And the truth is, there's that old saying, isn't there, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But the truth is, words do hurt us. And words can get into our heart. And they might not be seen on the outside, but things that people have spoken over our lives. Things where people have belittled us or said you will never achieve that. Or have laughed at our hopes and dreams can get in there. When someone has been negative about something we've done that we are so excited we've achieved something. And then they're like, that wasn't good. You don't measure up. It can get into us and it can cause us to be stuck in a place because of the power of words. And maybe today that you've had something spoken over you when you're a child by a parent or by a teacher or by a boss or even something last week. And you know that actually it really has wounded you and it's stuck and it's got in your heart. And the Bible also tells us in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. And you know, if you get enough negativity in your heart and you get enough things that people say, you're not good enough, you're never going to do that, just stick with this. You, you can't have hopes, you can't have dreams. It can limit you and it can cause you to be stuck. And I have an example of this, of, of growing up when I was at senior school, um, I was in an RE class and for whatever reason, this RE teacher, he just didn't like me and he was really unkind to me. 
And I remember going into school, whenever I'd have RE that day, and it's quite funny now thinking of my Christian walk and faith, I would dread RE because of this particular teacher, because he just belittled me. I was really shy at school, and he just used to pick on that. So always he'd get me to stand up and have to speak in front of my class, and it was really difficult for me. And he would say horrible things to me, and it just always felt like he was picking on me. And I remember when my brother came up the ranks of high school as well, he got into this teacher's class, and we had quite an unusual surname as I grew up. And this teacher said, oh, you're not a relation of Sarah Jane, are you? My brother said, yes. And he said, oh, I'm sorry about that. And my brother came home from school and told me that. And that hurt. It wounded me. He belittled me. He made me feel insignificant, made me feel nothing. But I have good news today because it didn't stop there. Because my Jesus came in and he healed the wounds that had affected me. Because now, look what I'm doing. I'm speaking. And God had put something in me that it didn't matter what the teacher had said because he's released me for those words. He's released me from the things that set to trap me and harm me and to limit my life and the calling on my life. And therefore, yes, I remember what happened, but it doesn't hold me anymore because Jesus has set me free. And I've come to tell you this morning that whatever words have been spoken over you, whatever anybody has said that has held you in a place of thinking, I can't dream again, I can't go again because of that, I want to say, my Jesus, your Jesus will set you free from those words and enable you too to have a testimony because each and every one of us has got a gift and a calling and a purpose on our life and nothing can stand in the way when we have Jesus on our side. So amen. So come on, you have the spirit of an overcomer, church. You have the spirit of an overcomer in you because of Jesus who overcame, therefore you can overcome and walk in victory. But guard your heart, guard your heart because from your heart, life flows. We could have clip two, please. So we see Eddie gives it a go and he starts to get certificates and awards. Who loves a certificate and award? He starts to do well in his sport and he starts to get on the team and we can see him there and he's flourishing, even though he fell over at the end there. That would be me, by the way. But we can see he's doing really, really well. But then the words again of that guy, Eddie, you will never be Olympic material. Just give it up now. He felt the sting of rejection. He didn't fit in. He wasn't their type. Didn't come from the right school or the right background. And maybe you felt that. You felt like, I'm not qualified enough. Or I've not come from the right family. I was from that side of town and I should have been from this side of town. Or I haven't got the right friendship circles. Maybe you didn't make the team and you felt that sting of rejection when, no, you're just not good enough, sorry. We haven't got the contract for you. Or your singing voice is is just not there. Sorry, not this time. And that sting of rejection can get into us. And it's a horrible feeling, and I'm sure many of us have experienced that. But it was told you're just not good enough. You can't make it. But I come to tell you today that the good news is that you are accepted by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That God has accepted you and he loves each and every one of us and he desires and longs for relationship with us. And what he did to make a way for us to have that relationship, he sent his son, Jesus, to the cross. And Jesus felt the sting of rejection. Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected, to be pushed aside, to be despised. 
We know what Jesus did for us on that cross to make a way that we could be accepted by the Father. He went and took on all my sin and all your sin and all your shame. And he stepped in to our place in order to break every chain of death and of sin and of hell over our lives, to make a way that we could be reconciled with God. That's what Jesus did for us. And he took on that rejection. And he took on people laughing and mocking and jeering him and ultimately putting him to his death so that you and I could come into relationship with Father God. How amazing is our Jesus? So he knows what it feels like to be rejected and yet he says because I was rejected therefore you can be accepted in Isaiah 53 verses 3 to 5 it says he being Jesus was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There's such power in that scripture. Because he became nothing so we could be reconciled with God. He stood in the gap for us. And by his wounds, we are healed. And so the wounds that come with rejection, again, hidden wounds many of the times, that cause us to lead a life differently from what we desire to leave because we've been rejected by parents or by colleagues or by friends or by the coach. Because of that, it can leave that sting. But it says here, because Jesus reconciled us, he took on that. And we can have healing. We can be healed from the power of rejection over our lives. And he can set us free from rejection. And we can live a life knowing that if God accepts me, I can live this life large. I can do all that God has called me to do. And there will be times when we do fail. And there will be times where people do despise us. But we can say, but God, you love me. You've accepted me. You have a purpose for my life. And I'm going to live it for you. And I'm going to push through the power of people's words and rejection. Because I know you love and you accept me. And you make a way. And people may slam doors in our faces and say, no, not good enough. But I know the God who opens doors that no man can shut. And he is on our side side. He's our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Can I remind you, church, this morning of his love poured out in his son Jesus on the cross so that he can have a one-on-one with you. He loves you that much that he wants to have relationship with you. We need confidence to live larger because of what God has done for us. Talking of rejection, I looked up a few um, statistics about businessmen and women who've given it a go and have been rejected time after time after time until their business was expected, accepted. And one of them is Colonel Sanders, KFC. Give me a wave if you like a bit of KFC. There are vegan options these days, people. So, But it's still finger-licking good, isn't it, KFC? But did you know that Colonel Sanders had his recipe rejected not one time? Not two times, not 200 times. It was 1,009 times the 10 secret spice recipe was rejected until somebody said, we'll give it a go. And now that company is a multi-billion dollar company. 
And that man, it was in his 60s that he was at the height of his career. And he was a man that followed God and he lived God and he gave amazingly to the church. But God blessed the potential that was in him. But he had so many setbacks. No, it's not good enough. Nobody wants chicken. He was wrong. It's very popular nowadays. So come on, even though you can be rejected in all areas of your life, you need to know the acceptance of Almighty God. And he approves you. He says you are good enough. You are qualified enough. You're my son and you're my daughter. And I want relationship with you. Clip three, please. That's a high jump from there, isn't it? Anyone fancy that? Not I. <laughs> But we can see in the, in the story through the first three clips, Eddie had to overcome the power of words. He had to overcome rejection. And now he has to overcome giving up. You see, what did the, the quote say? A true Olympian is not just about a God-given skill set. It's about never giving up no matter what. It's about never giving up. There are times in our lives where we fail and we fall, and we have an epic fall like Eddie. And we can get in a place of thinking... I don't want to get up and give this a go again. Do I have to keep going? But there is power in keeping going. There is power in not giving up. And we can see as the guy Bronson looks at the book there, he was the guy that did give up on his dreams. He's the guy that stopped and he's looking at the man in the bed in Eddie and thinking, you've had an epic fail, but I know you're going to get up again. And I know you're going to give it a go. And actually, what a disappointment for him as the one that could have been the champion, but he'd given up. And the truth is, in our lives, there's opportunities for us to give up in our work situations, in family, in our, in our faith journey. When life hits us, we can think, I just need to give up. But we need to keep going. It's about perseverance. It's not about the end goal all the time. Yes, he wanted to be a champion. He wanted to break records. He wanted to win medals. But actually, it's how we journey and how we journey well. And there's power in not giving up. There's power in trusting God for the journey and to keep continuing moving forward in our lives so that we can bring God glory through our lives. Amen, church. Eddie was inspirational because he didn't give up. And we'll see in clip four what happens. But he kept going despite adversity, despite things that are thrown at him. He kept getting back up and he kept giving it a go. And it's so important in our lives that we do that, in our spiritual walk, in our family. Keep going. It's important. Don't stay stuck. Don't stay in the place of failure because we will fail and things will happen, but it's important we dust ourselves off and we keep going because with the strength of our God, we can achieve all the things that he has planned before time for each and every one of us in our lives. So we need to keep going and we need to keep being stirred. I have a testimony of this with my driving lessons. So many moons ago, I wanted to drive a car like you do and Lisa's laughing because she knows this story. But I could drive and I had lessons and I could drive a car and it was all going really well. But something happened to me every time on test day. I would literally just fall apart. I would get in the car with the examiner and my mind would go to the point of this man or this woman wants to fail me. I'm going to be the failure of the day. I'm going to get in here. They're going to look at my style of driving. They're not going to like me. I'm going to fail as soon as I've left the test center. I came with that attitude. And every time I got in the car with the examiner, I would literally just fall apart. And this would happen time after time. Like all my confidence would go. And I'll share with you a couple of stories that were actually really funny on it. That it was probably test three. There was a few people. But I got in on test three and I was like, right, 
I mustered up as much confidence as I can. I got in there and I had an examiner and then two examiners examining the examiner. I was like, for real? So there was three of them. I might as well have just got out the car then. You know, I thought, oh no. So I went out and it was terrible, you know, handbrake, roll back, everything. It was awful. And I'd come away from those tests so defeated. And in fact, it got to the point people were like, you probably don't really need to drive. You can walk to work and, and it's fine. Now maybe, maybe just give it up. I was like, thanks, you know. That was my mum. No, it wasn't. But it was just awful. And then one of the times I got in the car and I was like, right, I'm going to do it. I was nervous. You know, you get the real sweaty palms and you've got to drive a car. And I sat there and I was like, okay, mirror, signal, manoeuvre. Examiner's there. I'm like, okay, he does like me. It's fine. I'm going to pass. And he said, okay, make your way out of the test centre and turn left. So I did it. And I was thinking, why is it not moving? And he leaned over to me and went, it might help if you turn the key. <laughs> got that nervous. Hadn't even started the engine. Honestly, it was awful. And every time I'd come home and actually I'd ring up Dan, he'd be like, how'd you get on? I failed again. And I was so upset. But something changed in me. The day before my 21st birthday, I thought, I don't want to be 21 and not drive a car. I need to drive a car. I'd got a car on the drive ready to go. I want to drive. And something within me changed. And I gave it to God. And I said, God, I know I can drive. My driving instructor is almost fed up with me. It's been a while now. But he knows I can drive. And you know I can drive. And I'm going to change my mindset on the inside of me to be confident. And, you know, I got in the car with that instructor. And I was literally like, hello, good morning. It's like, I am going to pass this test. And I drove off, and back in the day, they used to give you a test sheet at the end, and you'd have your majors and your minors ticked on it. And I did not have a single mark on my test sheet, and I passed the test. And you know, it was fifth time I passed my test, but I can tell you, amen. Anyone want a lift after church? Yeah, anyone? But, but the truth is, I don't look back. I, do, do you need a lift home? Sometimes I drop I home. But I haven't had an accident in all those years, by the way, just saying, just for the record. But the truth is, I don't look back at all the failures and think, oh, okay, it costs money, it costs time, there was heartache, but now I think I can drive, and I've got to that place. So actually, it's about how we journey well, and looking at the positivity of, do you know if God is for me, and he's in my journey, I might fall, but I've got to get back up again. There's a beautiful passage, passage of scripture in 1 Colossians, um, sorry, Colossians 1, 9 to 12 in the message. And this is Paul and Timothy writing to the church. I just love the way that this is so encouraging about how the church need to lead their lives. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, you ha- we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, make him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Come on, we've got to live our lives inspired that we're living it for God and it's for his glory, that we can endure through the hard times, that we can push through knowing God is on our side. And you know, someone is always watching your journey. 
There's somebody that you're inspiring. Eddie inspired that guy who'd given up. And somebody is being inspired by how you live your life. Yes, that went wrong in the business. Yes, that relationship failed. But you've got back up again and you're moving onward with perseverance towards the goal, which is the prize in Christ Jesus, that you're deciding to run your race with vigor for King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So come on, you are an overcomer. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. And each of us have got a testimony in our lives of how God has stepped in and has helped us. And we're going to give him glory for what he does in our lives. He's going to open the doors. He's going to make a way. He's going to enable us to endure through the hard times and the good times because we're living and doing everything unto the king. Could we have clip four, please? Well, what a victory. Let's have a clap for Eddie, shall we? That was so good. Come on. Love it. It's one of those real feel-good films, isn't it, at the end? And he broke that record um, at 71 metres, and he had that for 13 years, he held that British record. It's like, amazing, come on. His determination to get through the power of words and of rejection, to overcome giving up, he actually ended up breaking records. And he won more than medals, he won hearts, that man. He won the hearts of our nations, because if you're like me, you can remember 1988, World uh, Winter Olympics, just about, just about, I'd say. Very, very young. And um, it was amazing, but we were all like, oh, yeah, did the eagle. I remember him, and it's brilliant. So, such a victory for him. But Romans 8, verse 37 tells us of a different victory. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours because of the power of the cross that broke off the chains of death and of sin and of our destruction. We have overwhelming victory because of Jesus. And I think Jesus needs the biggest clap for us because of the victory that he has in our lives. The curse of sin was broken over us. Healing is given to us. Restoration is given to us because of our Jesus. And we are winners because of his victory. You see, because he's the conqueror, we therefore walk in that position of being overcomers and of conquerors because he appropriated the victory to us. So therefore, because he got up, we can get up because of his power and his victory. And we have the backing of heaven to live a life full and for the glory of our God, that we can follow after him and nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, the Bible tells us that we will go through trouble in this world. There will be things that come at us. We can see it in the world that we're living in now. There's all sorts of things going on. And the Bible tells us about that in John 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There is nothing that we will face in this world that Jesus has not overcome. There is nothing that we face on our own because he has overcome. He is the victor. He wears the victor's crown and therefore we are victorious because we are his bride, the church of God. And we can walk out in that victory and appropriate the victory of Jesus in our everyday lives. And our faith and our hope is not in our own doing. It's in the one 
the one true God, the living God. And he is the one that causes us to be of good cheer, to have peace in our hearts, because we know that he's on our side. So we can live this life large. And whatever we come against, whatever man may say, any government, any situation, we know that God is on our side. And that is something that is worth rejoicing this morning, church, that our faith and our hope is in our Jesus. And we can be of good cheer. So we've got to get up and get the victory. And I don't know if in your life there's been stuff going on this week or in the past that has caused you to feel like giving up, that there has been moments where you think, oh, for real, do I have to keep carrying on? But today is all about appropriating the victory of God. Today is all about standing on the word of God that says, if my God is for me, then who can be against me? It's about knowing the victory of the cross that broke off every chain and every curse of our lives, that we can stand and rejoice in that victory. And just as they all cheered for Eddie the Eagle, that we can have that cheer in our hearts for our Jesus who made a way for us so that we can have eternity and relationship with God here on earth. So we need to appropriate the victory of the cross. And we know the cross has brought us out of a place of death and into life. It's brought us out of a place of rejection into acceptance. It's brought us out of a place of cursed and into blessed. And so we need to appropriate the victory today. So I would like to ask you to stand up for me. And we, the band are going to help me with this. But there needs to be a sound this morning, church. There needs to be a sound that will appropriate the victory of the cross. And what I'm going to do is over you, I'm going to say out a few words where we have victory in our lives. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint the place in your life today where you need most victory where you need to say, yes, I appropriate the victory of the cross. And just when you feel ready, I just want you to either clap. I want you to cheer. I want you to raise your hands. I want you just to say, Jesus, thank you for the cross in whatever way you do that. But I'm going to shout out some stuff now where we have victory. Because he was our victor, we have victory. We have victory over sin. We have victory over death. We have a victory over addiction, over debt. We have victory over depression. We have victory over disease. We have victory over disappointment, victory over insecurity, victory over fear. We are made to be overcomers, that you are an overcomer, that Jesus wants to remind you this morning that you are an overcomer because he paid the price and he made a way that you are an overcomer. Have we got some praise in our heart today, church? Jesus has set you free and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on, let's praise the King of Kings and the Lord.